0: Mark chapter 8. Continue to look at experiences of Jesus and his encounters with, with all kinds of people. This one's with Peter, uh, named Petros in Greek, which Dale Brunner calls him Rocky. <laughs> Peter's Rocky, Petros. This is after he encounters Peter and says, who you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. Mark eight thirty one. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray now that these words of mine may not be my words, but they may be your words. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and draw us to yourself as only you can. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, when we were finishing up our call in Pennsylvania, getting ready to move to the great Northwest, we had to move a lot of stuff. I, in fact, I ordered a, got a dumpster that I, was, I think was 11 by 17, put it in our driveway. I, we filled it. It was huge. And one of the other things we had to do is our children, Jack and Grace, had made a camp in behind in the woods behind the house we'd had about a, we had about an acre and a half of grass and then a wooded area behind a gully behind the house and the kids made a camp back there and the stuff stayed there for a while and so as we were getting ready to move I had to move the stuff well the way that the kids Got back there, it was over the gully and then over some other bumps and, and ditches and stuff and I was, I'm not gonna try to go that way. So I made my own way and I had to cut a path. I had to clear a path through the woods. I brought, um, you know, clippers and, and, uh, different uh, implements to go back there and cut a trail in order to get the stuff. So we could be free to move to the great Northwest. How to make a path. Jesus, in our text today, is clearing a path. But it all begins with a question. And it's a question that actually ultimately reveals where the blocks are to the path. But more on that in a second. It begins with a question, who do you say I am? He asked the disciples... Who do you say I am? You hear all this stuff on the street about me. Who do, what say you? And then they say this and that and this and that, Elijah, you know, and then Peter, Petros, Rocky in Greek, Petros, Rock, Rocky in Greek, as Dale Bruner says. Rocky says, Peter says, you're the Messiah. Well, he's got the right title. The New Testament scholar Walter Wessel points out that the Greek word Christos, which is what is here in this text, Christos, that's the Greek translation of the Hebrew word for Messiah and it means anointed one of God basically somebody set apart That's what, in the Old Testament that's what it meant like a priest or a king who had been anointed with holy oil and the word carries with it the idea of chosenness consecrated which is a fancy schmancy way of just saying you're set apart for its service and you're given the power to do it So Peter has the right word, Messiah, Mashiach, Christos. When he says, you are the Christ, the Christos, the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Christ, he's conveying the idea that Jesus is chosen. Jesus is anointed. But chosen and anointed for what? Ah, this is the question. And on this question, Jesus has some clarifying to do for Peter. So that's why after Jesus after Jesus asked Peter the, the question and Peter gets the right answer, the right word, then Jesus says, okay, shh, I've got to tell you what this means on my terms before you go sharing it with everybody. And they they'd interpret it on their terms. Jesus has to define it for him. And that's what he does. He begins to teach what Messiah means in Jesus. And that is where the fireworks begin. He tells them that the Son of Man, which is code in Mark for Jesus himself, that's a, r- a referral word to Jesus out of the book of Daniel, it's a royal figure in Daniel. It's another term, Son of Man, to describe Jesus. He then began to teach that the Son of Man, that is Jesus, Must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. So the path of this chosen one, this Messiah, is going to end in victory for sure, but the road it takes, well, That's gonna get real rough. Rough as it gets. That's the plan. Peter doesn't like it. Not at all. Our text tells us Jesus spoke plainly about it, but that when Jesus did so, verse two, verse thirty-two, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Scholar Walter Wessel describes it this way. The message got through to Peter. The message got through to Peter. But he refused to accept it. Peter had the greatest difficulty. In conceiving of a messiahship. In any other than the popular theological and political categories. A suffering messiah. Unthinkable. The messiah was a symbol of strength not weakness. This is the problem with ludwig feuerbach the essence of christianity i remember this in philosophy class and uh, i'm not a feuerbachian scholar by any means and maybe some philosopher types will push back on me on this but feuerbach's whole thesis that our atheist philosophy I think he was an atheist philosophy professor was really stoked about because he said oh this disproves christianity see it's like no not quite feuerbach's idea was yeah god is just a projection of idealized human categories well the idea is if if you're if you're a Jewish person in the first century your idealized category is not of a suffering messiah it's the opposite so Ludwig needed to do his homework he did not understand really what he was talking about from what i remember of him or what i know of him this was far from an idealized picture this obliterated it that's why peter reacts the way he does so Peter took Jesus aside and amazingly rebuked him. And the word translated rebuked here in Greek is the same word used for the silencing of demons. Whew. So Peter is not just objecting to a strategy here. Peter is not just saying, well, have you thought about this? He's not just launching into some, uh, you know, let's have some free inquiry about this, Jesus. and just. No, he is trying to shut this down. No, treating Jesus like a demon. Now, it's easy to be tough on Peter here, but if we're honest about it, all of us probably have parts of Jesus' teaching that we don't like to hear. Maybe even that we shut out or at least cut to fit our circumstances. There is a character in Greek mythology called Procut procrustes procrustes maybe you've heard of him google him and you'll find the wiki reference that procrustes was a rogue smith and bandit who physically attacked people by stretching them or cutting off their legs so as to force them to fit the size of an iron bed so procrustes according to myth would invite people to stay at his place allow them to stay in his guest bed, but if they didn't fit the size of his guest bed, he would cut off their legs to make them fit. From this, we get the term procustian bed. It means to cut something to fit into your preconceived ideas rather than let that something reshape your ideas. You see, this guy, Procrustus, doesn't just build a bigger bed to accommodate his guests. Procrustus doesn't change his world to accommodate his guests. Rather, he alters his guests to fit his world. Well, you can see where this is going. Peter here, well, Peter is trying to put Jesus into his own Procrustian bed it's as if peter is saying no jesus your idea of being crucified just won't fit for me so i'm going to cut you down to fit my way well this isn't how it works we can't cut jesus to fit into our boxes he won't be boxed in but we inevitably try you have you know the jesus from this group the jesus from that group maybe the republican jesus the democrat jesus The Fox News Jesus, the MSNBC Jesus, the jock Jesus, the artist Jesus. You know, everybody does it. And that's why we need this text. See, we all become disciples by learning Jesus. That's the Greek word mathete, disciple, mathete. It's to learn. It's going to school on Jesus. We need to learn him and learn all of him. But in our text, we learn that learning isn't all there is to discipleship. Because if learning, if mental enlightenment was all it took to know Jesus, well then Mark 8, 32 to 33 wouldn't exist. It turns out it takes more than cogitation to be a disciple of Jesus. It takes a confrontation. It takes more than cogitation, thinking. It takes a confrontation, confronting. And it's a confrontation that begins here in our text as a confrontation between the Lord and the devil. Notice that the text says Jesus rebukes Peter, but as he does so, he speaks to Satan. Jesus recognizes that through Peter, the devil is tempting him off the hard path. So Jesus speaks on behalf of his own mission. He tells Satan essentially, get lost. Jesus is speaking to defend his own path, his own path of obedience to the Father. And he's defending his own path when he says, get thee behind me, Satan, for sure. But in the very next section, Jesus calls Peter and the disciples to take up their cross and follow him. So as you see, when Jesus is clearing his path, when Jesus is clearing his path, he's also clearing ours. He's clearing Peter's. Not for us to save the world. He's already done that. And Jesus is not clearing a path for us to be saviors. He's the only savior. But he's clearing a path for us to participate and embrace our salvation. And the path to embracing our salvation is taking up a cross and following him. And there are a thousand or more ways to take up a cross. We can do it by standing up. We can do it by standing down. We can do it by being still. We can do it by, by working hard. We can do it by resting well. We can do it by going the extra mile. We can do it by drawing a boundary. Whatever the cross is, one thing's for sure, Satan will get in the way. Satan will get in the way. And try to divert us from it. Suggesting an easier path. That's why we need Jesus to clear it. And that is exactly what is happening here. When Jesus says. Get thee behind me Satan to Peter. Jesus is clearing his own path. He's also clearing Peter's path. And when he clears Peter's path. With the word. He's also clearing ours. Our path to discipleship begins here. After all. Jesus is the author The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Pioneers clear the paths. That's what he's doing. You can't overstate the power of what he's doing here. When he says get thee behind me Satan. Remember Genesis? Remember how God creates the world? God creates the world by speaking. Let there be and bam there was. A world was created. When we inevitably challenge or resist the cross, when we fall under the influence of the enemy who will assault, get between us and our cross, we will need Jesus to speak that word over us, to confront the devil's distractions of us, to free us into a whole new world with new rules, new laws of gravity, so to speak, a world where we die to self to live, a world where the first, where the last shall be first, a world where everything often that we're called to do runs counter to what it's inside of us in our own instincts to do a path to ultimate victory and freedom that will often feel like we're losing or dying as he tells the disciples in the next verses whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me whoever wants to save their life will lose it whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it talk about flipping the logical script Jesus doesn't just tell us to do this. He doesn't just tell us how to do this. He clears the path to do this. That's what his life, death, and resurrection and ascension and ongoing word made alive by his spirit means. We need his power to sweep away obstacles, our own sin and the devil himself. He knows that. Trying to do the right thing and follow the right path without his word spoken over us will just lead to exhaustion and bitterness. Our discipleship must always be more than Lord, show me the right way. I mean, that's part of it. But Lord, show me the way is always insufficient without Lord, clear the way. Lord, please speak to whatever is between you and me and put it behind me. And like that day of creation, when the Lord speaks and the world comes into existence, when the Lord speaks over you and me, and say, get thee behind me, Satan, a whole new world is created in us. A whole new world of possibilities because we're free, we're no longer enslaved to our appetites, tormented by internal demands, living by our own instincts alone. But that's a process. This was Peter's beginning. Follow his career, and you'll see he has his ups and downs. Peter didn't just become Peter... From Acts overnight. He needed to be with Jesus. And notice how this whole confrontation. For Peter's liberation. Happens within relationship. Peter doesn't just read about this. In a self help book. Peter has an encounter. The rebuke is embedded in an encounter. As our lives are. Re-schematized. And reformatted This is how it happens. It's in an encounter with Jesus. We're reformatted, re-schematized in Jesus in our relationship with him. And we're going to resist and struggle. What's the saying? The problem with human sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. You know this? So we will need Jesus to confront the devil's lies and diversions that get us off the path to sacrifice. And that is sacrificial participation in the new creation that Jesus has for us. So when I'm feeling distracted from following Jesus by taking up my cross, I pray, dear Jesus, please speak to the devil on my behalf. Banish the enemy's voice so that your grace will enable me to be faithful. Christian writer David French describes the mess our country is in right now. And what it means to be disciples in the midst of this mess. It's going to set up a clash inevitably. David writes this. How many times have we heard the claim that the old rules of civility and decency are simply inadequate to the times? We tried decency, they say, and it didn't work. Now was the time to punch back. Yet, that mindset Is utterly antithetical to the Christian moral ethic. David writes, You're not kind until kindness doesn't work. That's really good. Think about that. You're not kind until kindness doesn't work. You're to be kind even through the most brutal acts of repression and in the face of complete defeat. When the world is greedy, you are generous. When the world is cruel, you are kind. When the world is fearful, you are faithful. When the world is proud, you are humble. How do you know we're Christian? By our love. This is the path of Jesus, but we need him to clear the way. We need him to look at us. We need him to look at us and look into our hearts and rebuke Satan. Maybe every day. Maybe some days every hour. And that starts with his work in us and his words over us, which creates a new world in us, making us new creations, as Paul says. That way we become living declarations of what the world so desperately needs, even when it hurts to do so, even when it takes a risk to do it, even when it goes against our instincts to do it. Again, we're not taking up our cross to save the world. Jesus did that. He's the only savior. But participating in the gift of salvation, receiving the grace of his rescue, means taking up our cross. And there are a thousand ways the cross can look. Taking up the cross and following Jesus may mean giving up a meal. Taking up the cross and following Jesus may mean sharing a meal. Taking up the cross and following Jesus may mean sharing a meal with someone we'd rather not Taking up the cross and following Jesus may mean giving up some time to be with God when we're so pressed that every instinct in us tells us we don't have the time. Taking up the cross and following Jesus may mean having grace for that person when every fiber says, don't do it, protect yourself, you're going to get burned again. Taking up the cross and following Jesus may mean stepping up and speaking up in truth and love even when it costs us. Taking up a cross and following Jesus may mean being still and being silent in the midst of whatever's hitting us. There's a thousand ways the cross can look. But when we, when we sacrifice to these ways, we participate in Christ's new creation. Standing between us and our sacrificial participation in Christ's new creation, there is a devil who wants anything but that. But the Lord's word is Final. Get thee behind me, Satan. And maybe we need to hear that word again and again and again every day. May it be so for you and for me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.